0: It's November 1st, 1997, and Tub Thumping by Chumbawamba is number one on the Billboard Modern Rock chart. Hello, and welcome to Tell Me All Your Thoughts on Pod. I'm Al.
1: I'm Quillen. And I'm Trav, and this is a podcast where we talk about every song that reached number one on the Billboard Modern Rock Chart in the 90s, beginning with Kurt Cobain's death in April 1994.
2: Uh, today we'll be talking about Tub Thumping, the first single from Chumbawamba's eighth
1: album Thump Tamper. <laughs> Tub Thumping spent seven consecutive weeks at the top of the modern rock chart. (laughs) Let's hear a clip. (laughs) <laughs> two months did that you guys
0: ready you guys ready to, you this... guys ready to t- tub thump did you all make do your friends make the joke about don't tub thump your chumbawamba did Oh, no, <laughs> i mean yeah
2: it was definitely joked about amongst my friends that it was about sex or something along those yeah. lines or masturbating or something like that
0: yeah piss play something like that <laughs> uh tub thumping also peaked at number one On the pop chart. Yeah, the song is Uh,
2: huge, right?
0: Let's separate out our current feelings and our past feelings. Let's start with our past feelings. How did you feel about this song when you first heard it?
2: I hated it. I thought it was the most obnoxious thing I'd heard in a long, long time.
0: Me too. I despised it.
2: Hated
1: it. Hated it. Yeah, really annoying, really dumb, obnoxious. Yeah, I didn't like it at all when I was a kid. So...
0: Let's, let's then, uh, let's go into how our feelings have changed or not changed then. Uh, I don't, I don't hate it. I, I'm kind of indifferent to it. I look back on my hatred and I kind of think, like, what was up with that? Like, I kind of want to figure out what that was because, again, I, I don't like it now, but, uh, I had some kind of a knee jerk reaction to this when I was, you know, 12 or 13 that, uh, I kind of want to interrogate a little bit, but, uh, I don't know. Do either of you like it now?
1: Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
2: I think it's both of you. I think it's good. It is a good, good, good song. (laughs) (laughs) Like, totally, (laughs) sincerely, uh, do I like this
1: song? Yeah. I wouldn't have said that. It's really (laughs) funny that you said it, but I I don't know that it's a good song, but I like it. Fair,
2: fair. I mean, I, 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 it's, Uh, You know, it's... Okay, I don't give two shits about lyrics. Like, whatever. Like, the lyrics are dumb. Um, Yeah.
1: But that can be great.
2: Yes. That's not necessarily
1: a drawback, especially for a song like this.
2: Yes. And melodically, it's really good, or I like it a lot. Like, I like the melodies. I like the, like, trumpet parts. I like the... Kissing the night away, which I misheard as kissing the night away. Mm. Um, there were multiple misheard lyrics for me. Kissing the night away and uh, shit. What was the other one? Um, oh, uh, sings the songs that remind, remind him of the good times, sings the songs that remind him of the. And I always thought it was best times, but it's better times.
1: Um Yeah. Is there something weird happening with the vocals here? Because I just noticed uh, in my most recent listen of this song that when he says never, he says it in, like, three syllables. Hmm. Like, there's, like, a never that Hmm. made me almost think when I was a kid that he was saying, like, you're going to... I guess I can't remember it. It was, like... I get knocked down, but I get up again. You're gonna never gonna. Uh, go. I, yeah, I, I guess I mix it up, never but I thought it was gonna like keep you down. Or yeah, like like, like that. you're saying something. I hear else. that. I get it. Yeah. So why did we hate this so much? I only. I guess I. I. It's interesting that you say that you feel like there might be a reason to explore, because for me, it's nothing other than like, it is kind of an obnoxious song. It's very simple and it's very um, repetitive and uh, kind of abrasive and obnoxious and in your face. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there's like that sort of confrontational sort of like attitude to it um, that I thought was annoying. And nothing more than that. I don't know that. I mean, it, it feels very British, which is a little bit unfamiliar, um, but I loved Oasis, so I don't know yeah. that it was like, you know, a, a thing that was like inherently like, oh, I don't like British bands.
0: I don't want to seem too focused on this because this will be the third time I've mentioned it, but, you know, not understanding the different British variations of what it can mean that what the word pissing can mean was it was very confusing to listen to this. Like you've got this kind of like raucous chorus and then you've got this kind of like prissy school mistress kind of singing about pissing and like all of that was very confusing. Like, why do we have this kind of like nursery rhyme almost mm. sounding thing? Um but yeah, I mean I think I think I just had a knee-jerk response to something that was weird and unfamiliar. And now I don't know. I, I guess I have a little bit more of a mature take on it. I just it looks sounds it's like it's like a fun drinking song. Yeah. Um mm-hmm.
2: I wonder if I actually liked it when I was a kid and was just afraid to admit it.
0: Yeah. Well, let's get into the, the important details. The lead singer of Chumbawamba's name is Danbert No Bacon.
1: No, it's not.
0: It is. It's a pen name. But oh. he chose to be called Danbert <laughs> No Bacon. Oh, that's good. Yeah.
2: Is he
1: a vegetarian,
2: um, do you think?
0: It, my, my, that's got to be it. Uh, that, that's a good transition into kind of the revelation that a lot of people have had about this mm. band. Uh, as adults, which is that Chumbawamba are some kind of anarcho-socialist political art project that has existed since the mid-1980s. They have uh, an album called Anarchy that features an album cover with a baby's head coming out of a vagina. Um, It contains the song Homophobia. Um, there's uh, Their debut album was called Pictures of Starving Children Sell Records, and it, the whole album was a concept album dedicated to dissing people who had participated in Live Aid. Uh, <laughs> so this is a band with um, radical politics. Do you hear any trace of that on this song?
2: No. Yeah, I, I no. don't...
0: Either this is like a you know, it's a drinking anthem, it's played in like sports stadiums yeah. now.
2: I think they've so. acknowledged that. Like, I think they acknowledged that. I think, uh, I don't remember the source, but uh, I think like basically they acknowledged that it's not even that good of a song, but mm-hmm. um, it was like just they like kind of needed like just to kind of escape from what they were doing and do something more just like uplifting and, and dumb and just kind of like positive
0: from the UK liner notes. They wrote tub thumping is shouting to change the world. Then having a drink to celebrate Mm. it's stumbling home from your local bar. When the world is ready to be put, right. I don't know what that means, but I will also say I kind of, for once, thought that what someone had written on songmeanings.com was kind of insightful. Uh, Del Mothos says, It's about a sincere believer in an ideology that is no longer mainstream, like socialism (laughs) or anarchism. Maybe a former doc or factory worker that was laid off during the Thatcher years. But he's still convinced he can win against the powers that be. They'll never keep him down. But deep down, he knows he's lost it and so he pisses the night away as an alcoholic old man in a new era dominated by neoliberalism.
2: Seems like a stretch, but I like it. Very well thought out, Darth Mothos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: I hope Harry Potter never finds you. <laughs> yeah. That's it for the song for me. <laughs>
1: yeah it's tough to i mean, I don't know that there's much to expand upon beyond that like it's just it's the chorus is two chords. the verse is a little more nuanced, a little more nuanced um but yeah, it's just this kind of um simple anthem, and I think there's a place for it. I enjoy hearing it now um seems like it would be a good good jack rock. A uh, mm-hmm. sports anthem at a, a a sporting event, but um, oh God, what do you say about tub thumping? Or I mean, I guess you know the whole story of Chumbawamba seems interesting, and I feel like I've heard it enough times to go, yeah, I should look into that more. But like I've heard it enough to know what it is, and I don't know that there's much beyond it. It's just like, yeah, this was like a Radical, you know, sort of like anarchist group that made pop songs, and that that's it like I mean, you'd think that that sounds like there's a lot to be mined from that, and I just don't know that there is. It's just like, yeah, they made a bunch of albums, and they had one transcendent hit that worked for them and um then and that's all they're they're known for. I, I think I've heard a podcast and I don't know what it was. I heard a podcast episode about this and it was basically like just sort of like saying this in different ways over and over. Um, It, it wasn't bad, but it was like enough, you know, to carry the podcast. But it's just like, yeah, OK, they that's what they did. And I, I, I wish that there was something more to it, but I don't think yeah. that there is.
0: Well, just like you all specifically requested that I listen to Lemonade and Brownies by Sugar A all the way through. Yes, thank I, you for that. I followed, I responded to your request and I listened to Chumbawamba's debut album all the way through. Mm. Uh, so I researched it since you asked me to do that. Thank uh, you. Pictures mm-hmm. of Starving Children. It's from 1986. And it, it's, it's, a, it's very revealing. Um, it feels like it's a concept album so it feels like uh, "Lola versus the Power Man" by the Kinks. It's got that British music hall satirical feel, where it, like each song comes from a, an ironic character's perspective. It's got that musical theater feel. But um, "Chumbawamba" was influenced by Wire and The Fall, which is like really weird that they have mm-hmm. the exact same influences as Pavement, and they <laughs> definitely. Could not sound any, any more different. But um, I know I texted you guys in the middle of the day when you were both at work, because I had the day off today. But um, there's a song on that album that sounds so much like Wire, you would be really surprised. <laughs> it's good, too. It's called Unilever. Um, the vocals even sound just like Colin Newman, who's like one of my favorite rock vocalists. He's like a subtle thing, but I just love Colin Newman. Um, But it's really, really bitter. It's really angry. It's really self-righteous. And they don't seem to be willing to concede in the slightest bit that they might be engaging in some kind of performative politics um, (laughs) when they're just blasting all these British celebrities um, for, you know, for doing charity work, which, of course, as, you know, as radical socialists, they think that charity is, you know, putting a band-aid on the, you know in some way as like reinforcing the the powers that be, you know, instead of tearing the system down. Um but I don't know. I it's I got the idea that they were probably more interesting in the eighties than they than they were uh in the nineties. But um it's I would actually say it's it's worth listening to their debut album. I think that you would you'd find it interesting just to hear the cocktail of influences.
1: I think that the Goo Goo Girl once reached out to me about the early Chumbawamba stuff, mm-hmm. and we started to have a conversation about it. And uh, I don't remember what became of it, but uh, yeah. was she she was into it? I think she was
0: pushing the like. 93, 94 album, oh. uh, Anarchy. Okay, the one with the the crowning, yeah, yeah, on the cover, <laughs> uh, which sounds a little more like Tub Thumping or Tub Thumper. I can never remember which one's the album and which one's the song, because they're they have different titles. Cloud Songs busting Tub. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> <laughs> um, video. Oh, well, actually, uh, Quill had an interesting question here. Can you think of any other long-running artists that broke big much later in their career?
1: God, that's a great question, and I don't know if I can come up with it off the top I
2: had of my a head. Time, I had a hard time thinking of it. I, You know, I was thinking of the Sundays, but you guys made me realize um, the last episode that they had a hit in the early 90s as well, yeah. which I did not Modest know Modest Mouse. Modest Mouse. Oh uh, Jimmy yeah. World, kind of right. I mean, yeah. Well, they've been around two thousand, f-
1: like they, ninety-five to two thousand
2: one. Yeah, their first hit was two thousand one. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's right. Maybe not as long, but.
1: But yeah, yeah, modest mouse
2: was was very. I mean, more than ten years into their career, and they had yeah. float on right in two thousand four. Um. That's a great call, Al.
1: Yeah, I don't know that I'm going to come up with it off the top of my head, but maybe that's yeah. a good one for the Facebook uh,
2: yeah. comments.
0: Would yeah. you describe soul coughing that way? Or not soul coughing, soul asylum?
1: Oh, yeah. Oh. That's a great one because they were around since like 84 and then, you know, had runaway train in like 92, maybe? Yeah. Which feels like a very long time. Yeah. Although, I mean, that's eight years and Jimmy Eat World was six, but it feels like 84 to 92 was significantly longer than 95 to 2001 was because everything was accelerated more, maybe?
2: Yeah, that's, that could be.
1: I don't know if that's r- accurate. I don't know. Perception of time is subjective. But
2: it, but you're saying kind of that's how you enter, or like the way that you feel about it. Like, yeah. I mean, that makes. I get that. That makes sense. Yeah yeah um yeah any thoughts about the
0: music video?
1: uh, it's exactly what it should be
0: <laughs> yeah, people like, standing around in a bar,
1: yep yeah,
2: nothing to it
0: yeah it's a little it it's a little disorienting that the band has you know so many of them have dyed hair and piercings and things like that, and sure enough, when you get to the piss in the night away, I mean that woman just looks like she could be you know, coming in to check on your teeth or something like that. I mean, she just looks like a thirty five year old professional librarian uh, just, is what she looks yeah. like. Like
2: stereotypical librarian. Yeah.
0: It's just a, a weird disconnect, but I don't know, good for them. I mean it's good 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 to be surprising. Mm-hmm. Uh I don't know. I, I'm done I'm done being angered by that. I don't know why I was angered by that. I think it was just disorienting.
1: We talked uh, about the, what they're weird. Yeah, we were talking about something else, another song about with stops and starts. Oh, it was, it was uh, Don't Change Your Plans by Ben Folds Five and how yeah. you don't like songs with stops and starts. And there's an abruptness to the changes between the choruses and verses of this song that yeah. maybe um, have maybe a little similar.
0: Yeah, it, it, it's possible that that's playing a role. Usually what, what bothers me is if there are, it, the songs goes back and forth between parts that have different tempos. That's kind of oh. uh, what, what can get on my nerves. Hmm. Album. Tub Thumper is the band's eighth album and their major label debut. Uh, we've talked about their roots. Um, in an interview on Politically Incorrect in 1998, vocalist Alice Nutter encouraged those who couldn't afford the album to steal it from big chain record stores. Cool? Not cool? <laughs>
2: It's complicated.
1: Uh, yeah, it's um it's such a fashionable thing to say that it's almost uncool. You know, like I think uh in in and of itself, like that original idea is pretty exciting and radical and everything, but it's been it's existed since the 60s. So, hmm. what like I mean, it's just sort of regurgitated a number of times, so it's maybe not as exciting by the time that this happens. Also, politically incorrect with Bill Maher. With Bill Maher, yeah. Oh, Bill boy. Maher, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it could have just been that's a hypothetical thing that she said to like. No, I mean, I guess, yeah.
2: Like
0: They were having yeah. trouble reconciling their politics with their success, obviously.
1: Yeah, I guess that's that's I mean, if I just look at the statement itself, it's like, yeah, I mean, that's like, what do you need? That's that's become my philosophy as an adult. Like, make sure you have what you need. If you're desperate for the Chumbawamba album, what do you need? Like, take it. Fine. If if this is what's going to make your life better, take the album. Good. And you shouldn't be punished for it. But I mean, I, I guess I tend to think of that more in ways of like I don't know necessities or like of course (laughs) but but I mean also I don't know like people deserve to enjoy entertainment and things like that too so I don't know there's uh, you know I don't have any sort of like sympathy or um you know I, I don't relate to Walmart or anything like that so whatever if it happens to fall on them oh oh well they can have their insurance policy Mm -hmm. cover them or whatever i think that's always been sort of the the thinking behind people who steal from like large chain stores um i I don't know i i it does seem like a totally superfluous like unnecessary thing to steal so
0: i don't know well Having listened to it, is this album worth stealing? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Fuck no. <laughs>
1: oh no, this is a painful one. I, ironically, uh, they had done much of the stealing themselves. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I don't
0: think any of it is significantly better or worse than Tub Thumping. Right. It's certainly hard hard Certainly, <laughs> tub thumping is a pretty good indication of what you're in for.
2: I guess so I had never listened to the album before. And I and and after reading about how they were you know like you said like an anarcho like socialist kind of like punk band I I guess I I I thought it was a possibility that tub thumper was a like a massive outlier on the album, like uh, much in the way that like uh, fly was on Florida. Um, and uh, no, it, it like the whole album sounds like this, basically just less hooks. Um, also like lots of weird. Outros or like, kind of like interludes in between every yeah, song yeah. with like all these crazy samples. And I, I guess I do remember one of the singles Amnesia, I think. Is that the trumpet one? Really? Um,
0: There's a lot of trumpet on a lot of them. there.
2: Is, there is, but uh,
0: I remember uh, friends bringing up drip, 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 but I think that was uh, mostly oh. just because it was so unbelievable to hear an alternative record where someone goes
2: drip, drip, drip goes to water. That
0: was just, a bizarre chorus to hear during the age of you know
1: yeah the, the shit that we were listening to yeah Do you I, guys, did you guys have friends who owned this album yeah no really i, I can't imagine anyone ever buying or owning this album
0: this, this might be where it's significant that i'm a couple of years younger than you i mean this was you know people in middle school uh i don't know yeah, yeah. some people bought it. Some people probably paid $15 for this. Oh. That song, Amnesia, I mean, it sounds like a single, I guess, but uh, <laughs> the chorus over and over and over again is, do you suffer from long-term memory loss? I don't remember. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I get it.
2: Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I challenge um, you, Al, in your statement that Nothing on this album is significantly better or worse than tub thumping. I think that. Yeah. I would argue that everything is substantially worse. Like, okay. Yeah. This is a yeah, bad. Yeah, I'm not
0: going to argue with you. This
2: is a bad, really, really bad album. I, I, it was a chore. Mm. I couldn't, I mean, I, I listened to it all the way through. I cannot believe that I did it. I barely
1: did it. <laughs> Yeah. I, uh, I, it's probably not fair for me to say this, but I didn't think it was terrible but I only listened to half of it, um, <laughs> <laughs> which I mean is part of it. Cause it's an hour long. Yeah. And oh so my God. I was like, you know, I, I, I full disclosure had asked, um, my two brethren here if I needed to listen to the whole thing or if I could be let off the hook because I feel like I got the gist of it after a half hour in six songs and they're like yeah you're not missing anything so (laughs) I got to enjoy my drive home today so um that being said like I I would hear these songs and just be like this is uh, adventurous like they're doing <laughs> something cool. They're using a lot of samples. It reminded me of the big audio dynamite single that used like a ton of pop hits. It incorporated a ton. Let me figure out. I think it's called Rush. Is that what it is? Um. Anyways, big audio dynamite was like the Mick Jones project after the clash. Oh, yeah, I think okay. it's called Rush and it was like using samples in um boy was it oh god it was 91 i thought it was like 85 but it was 91 so um hmm. yeah it was they were like there's like the baba o'reilly um you know high organ thing repeated underneath it and there's a few other things that happen in it and it sort of reminded me of that um hmm. which i think is um you know there's not a lot of sampling happen happening in 97 and like alternative music so um i thought that was respectable um there was never a moment where i was like this sucks i can't wait to turn it off it was more just like background music this well, album sounded um, like
2: like the newsboys <laughs> oh boy
1: wait take me to your leader era Pre, or pre, pre step take me up to, to the leader. microphone oh pre okay. pre
2: take me to your leader okay.
1: yeah okay
0: Cool. <laughs> well, Amnesia as we discussed earlier was released as a single and went to number 19 on the pop chart. Uh Drip 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 came several months after that and didn't chart. The revelation that I had about Drip 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 revisiting it as an adult is that it's about trickle-down economics. That's what's dripping.
2: Nice.
1: Fair. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um this album sold over 3.2 million units in the United States. That's a lot of disappointed 12 and 13 year olds. Uh, any other thoughts on the album?
1: No. I mean, how? How do <laughs> no. you sell three million units? Yeah. How do, how do three million people own the Chumbawamba album?
0: There, there was another song that I liked on the album. It was called "The Big Issue." And it sounds like mid-90s blur. It sounds like uh, one of those big, big blur pop songs that's satirical about the working class or about the miserable rich people with lots of horns, like Country House or Charming Man. Yeah. Um, and uh, I liked that song. It's called The Big Issue. So maybe what? we'll play a clip of that.
1: What is The Big Issue?
0: Uh, uh, class. Trickle-down
1: oh. uh, economics.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. The, uh, capitalism. Mm. All right, charts. Uh, we got a lot of repeats. Mainstream rock number one is still Touch, Peel, and Stand by Days of the New. Have your feelings evolved since we recorded the last <laughs>
1: episode? <laughs>
0: yeah, man. Great. It's and rockin' song. Pop number one is still Can You Feel the Way You Look Tonight by Elton John <laughs> paired with Candle in the Wind. Um, and then we've uh, we go to the modern rock chart. I see a couple things I'm I'm desperate to talk about. What do you all see?
1: <laughs> well, if you're desperate, I yeah, want to hear what you have to you, say about them.
0: Take, oh man, I take just it out. I I gotta say, I, people feel all kinds of ways about this song. But guys, I love Bittersweet Symphony by the Verve. It just it just builds and builds and builds. It's got so much lush, great stuff going on in it. Uh, I love Bittersweet Symphony, and I I loved this album.
2: Have you talked to Sarah, my wife, about that? Yeah, right? we've,
0: I... we've we've mostly talked about early Verve, uh-huh. where like we went back and revisited the stuff that felt a little like shoegazy mm-hmm. uh, or a little dream poppy. So yeah, we've we've talked about like a Storm in Heaven and a Northern Soul a fair amount. I don't know how much we've talked about Urban Hymns. It was um an inconsistent album. It wasn't mm-hmm. always great but uh there are a couple of just lush wonderful songs I I feel like almost immediately just talking about it I want to go back and revisit it but yeah I always thought the bittersweet Symphony was just great I know some people were really annoyed by it Travis is making just annoyed faces but this song is it's really good
1: it's not annoyed it's confused and uh surprised and I like you said that it builds.
0: Yeah, you got the, and then slowly the, and then, man, these huge drums and bells come in, and then uh, the the vocals are constantly changing. It's almost like a semi-charmed life vocal performance, where it's just like, he's uh, he just gets going, and he just goes, and um, there are background vocals going, on part, you know, there's all kinds of new things coming in and out. Um, when I was a kid, I used to think like, oh, man, like I would like, like open like a, you know, how I used to listen to live and I would an- do the animation of the orcs
2: mm-hmm. on the
0: computer and Lakini's Juice would play and the orcs would just go to battle. And you know, <laughs> this song, you know, I could do a whole Lord of the Rings fan video totally. It's to like, you know, it's just got sweep. It's epic. You just show, you know, Minas Tirith. I was going to ask, what, what Lord go, of the Rings part? You know, you show the Mines of Moria. You go to uh, Mirkwood. You know, all of these vistas and just... So
2: it would be like a drone a drone shot of, yeah. of Middle Earth. Just send sure. a
0: drone across Middle Earth. Sure. Play Bittersweet Symphony. <laughs> I mean... <laughs>
2: The music video was really good. Really, <laughs> really liked the music video.
1: You mean Al, Al's description of, <laughs> of Middle yes. Earth as a music video? Yes. God, there's nothing I could say to add to that. It's fantastic. I love Bittersweet Symphony now.
2: <laughs> I did really like the actual music video, though, too.
0: Yeah, that was when he's walking down the street and bumping into people.
2: Yeah, walking over cars and yeah, just walking in a straight line, not not giving a fuck. Yeah,
0: yeah, I'm sure that the funny. drugs don't work will pop up later, but that was a oh, a similar right. song that that'll pop up later, and that's good.
2: Is that by the Verve also?
0: Yeah, it's on Urban Hymns.
2: Man, I I remember that title. I look forward to hearing yeah. That.
0: The other British thing that I wanted to talk about is On and On by the Long Pigs. Do you remember that song at all? I had never heard it before.
1: Only from you.
0: Totally straightforward, unremarkable um, Brit pop, you know, goes along with like something like Travis, uh, Mm. Travis the Band. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I really like it. I really liked it then.
2: So
1: Terrific album title. Oh. I don't remember what it's called. Uh
2: The Daddy of Them All, right?
1: The Sun Is Often Out? Oh. The Sun is often <laughs> yeah, out the... Wait. Not not
0: the Daddy, the Sun. <laughs>
2: Hold on. <laughs> There's another album. There's another song in the chat. You're chart. thinking
0: of peering at the Papa, I think.
2: <laughs> <No>. <laughs> What was that in reference to? Staring
1: (laughs) Staring at the sun. sun.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, I think that there is... It might be...
1: uh,
2: I may be getting ahead of myself, but I know there's a a song on the charts somewhere and the album title is (laughs) The Daddy of Them
1: All or something like that. I can't wait to find out what it is. But I mean, yeah, the the sun is often out is good too.
2: <laughs> it's it's fine.
0: <laughs> that is a good album title. Now that I really stop and think about it,
1: yeah.
0: Uh, what did you all uh see on the charts?
2: Uh, "Come On Eileen," it's- the Save Ferris uh cover of "Come On Eileen" was on the chart. Um it was good. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, I I actually liked that album. I think I I mentioned that when, uh, maybe it was during the Boston's episode when we were talking about Scott. Um, uh, "Do in Time" by Sublime is on the chart. I know we've already talked about that song, but just worth mentioning that song. Still, yeah, you guys love that Still song. slaps for me. Um, yeah. Uh, just a mention that uh "Sex and Candy" by Marcy Playground. Uh like has entered the charts at this point. We'll, you know, be talking about that more in the future. Um uh, Let's see all for you by sister Hazel. Do you guys remember that song?
1: Yeah. That yeah. might be my favorite song on the charts this week. <laughs> <laughs> I love that song.
2: It's, I mean, it's undeniably, it's, it's undeniably catchy. It's like, yeah. it's an earworm.
1: I used to call them Sister Blues Traveler.
2: Yeah, so of course. <laughs> yeah. I think this is what like Travis you mentioned that you thought that Blues Traveler dis- disappeared after 4.
1: Yeah. And they I just turned that into Sister Hazel. <laughs>
2: probably the first time I ever heard that song, I was like, "Oh, this must be new Blues Traveler." Mm-hmm. Um and then uh damn it, by Blink-182.
1: Yeah. Is there-
2: they come? Uh, yeah. Did you know that in the damn it had a parent a parenthetical in the title? Yeah, I don't. I don't remember that growing up. I yeah. I know that we're gonna have some interesting conversation when we eventually have to talk about Blink One Eighty Two. I feel like this is not an exciting time for me. Like I I I did not like the song all that much. I never got into Dude Ranch. Um, I got into them later on. Trev, I know that you loved Dude Ranch. Yeah. When I think about,
1: oh yeah. When I think about alternative music in 97, it's pretty much like Dude Ranch. Mm. Um, I don't think about much else. I don't like, I, I I might've tried out some things, but I wasn't, uh, I wasn't feeling it enough. So I think I was leaning a lot on like classic rock at the time. And mm. uh, maybe Kenny Wayne Shepherd or something like that. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> in Blink-182. So did,
2: did you like Radiohead at the time as well? I did, yeah. I yeah. definitely
1: did. That was a big deal. Was um, that
2: hard for you to reconcile? Like, I, I remember in the late 90s feeling crazy because, like, 97, 98, I was getting really into OK Computer. Like, it... I mean, it was like really I know we I know we just spent a lot of time talking about Let Down um last episode, but like I was just like I could just tell. Like as I was getting into each of the singles more and more and then finally got the album and I was just like, this album is like changing my my view of music and so many things. But I also was listening to Mighty Mighty Boss Tones and MXPX and christian ska and stuff like that and i had a really hard time understanding how i could like these really bright upbeat things and then also radiohead which was like the saddest music i had really ever heard at that point in my life and like did
1: you have that feeling at all or no Hmm. um it's interesting to hear you say that though that's that's a, a neat um perspective but i just remember i mean w- when you started talking about that it just sort of reminded me that i probably had like 40 cds or something like mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. like my world was so small mm-hmm. I probably compared had like to what's available 12 now. or something
2: like that yeah. at, at that point you know so
1: yeah. like if i have okay computer that's like one of you know like the percentage of uh my musical consumption that that took up was enormous mm-hmm. compared to what it is mm-hmm. now um, you know now any album is like less than a percent of whatever mm-hmm. I listen to mm-hmm. yeah. whereas back then you know it was like a couple percent mm-hmm. so like I was really spending a lot of time with something like that so um, yeah for sure. yeah, I don't know that I, I was necessarily like I had this um, I thought of things as categorically as I do now like the three of us have spent a lot of time recently sort of like organizing our our favorite stuff in certain ways and um that just didn't register to me until i don't know college it was just sort of (laughs) like yeah i was listening to deep purple and radiohead Mm -hmm. and there wasn't much of a uh a whiplash to it Mm
2: -hmm.
0: yeah quill i uh, when you mentioned just the idea of like radiohead being sad that reminded me how much I really struggled with how sad that album was. Like I hadn't really ever experienced that before. Like, you know, pop, my, my world was very shiny and, and packaged nicely to elicit, you know, smiles and cheers and things like that. And it was, it was hard enough for me that I sold my copy of OK computer to a friend because I didn't want it anymore. Mm. Like, I liked liked the music, and I, I didn't want the emotions to be around anymore. And then there came a time when, you know, I desperately wanted to buy them back. And then from that point forward, like, I was a Radiohead fan. But I probably had... A hundred CDs at this time, oh, wow. and a lot of that was because I was buying CDs from you know there were record stores in Ann Arbor where I could go and buy I could go and buy four CDs for you know two fifty each. You know I that mm-hmm. was how I bought sixteen yeah. stone yep. and the Collective Soul albums and stuff like that. I never paid more than three dollars for any of those albums. Oh, wow, so, um, but I I think that I seriously might have been borderline OCD about. My record collection because it had to be such a reflection of my identity. And um, when something, when I bought something that didn't fit in, it would take me like weeks of torturing myself about whether it belonged in that small, you know, it still felt like a small collection, whether it belonged in that small collection, whether there was, like, room in my personality for this thing, like, you know, a Buck Cherry CD or something like that. Mm -hmm. And, like, I would kind of torture myself about whether I was going to keep something or sell something on, like, a weekly basis. It was a constant balancing act that I was, you know, that I was in about, like, whether I could potentially sell that and get something better (laughs) or... I don't know. I, I had like really intense, conflicting, like tormented feelings about stuff like that when I was in middle school.
2: That's really, really interesting. Um, I, I, I don't want to dwell on this for too much longer, but yeah. um, what you said about you struggling with the sadness of Okay Computer made me think of. I think that was a big attachment. Um, for me or a big, uh, it it was why the album was so attractive to me. Um, I remember it was, I think this was fall of 97. So I had, I would heard paranoid Android and let down. And I think karma police had like kind of just been, um, on the radio and I, um, had borrowed okay computer the cd from my brother-in-law or his brother um and i just started like kind of spending time with it and then um it was like the first like kind of like important death in my family that i i remember in my lifetime it was my great aunt um luanne Uh, died and I was just like immersed in OK Computer at this time. And it was really sad sounding to me, but it made me feel better. It was a really Mm -hmm. comforting um, thing for me. Um, So much so, I I, I got so attached to, to that memory with that album that I remember uh when my uncle died my freshman year of college um I spent the day sad and laying in bed listening to Kid A and Amnesiac um back and forth like over and over and over just uh, those were the Radiohead albums that I was really into at that time and same thing it was just like a comforting experience of like spending time with these things that I'm really immersed in and um yeah, I I don't know. It it was uh, an interesting uh, experience in my life, and an interesting yeah. way to get into an album.
0: Yeah, I think that the, the okay computer like opened this door to emotions that I wasn't ready to deal with, and I just tried to close the door, basically.
2: Fair. Yeah, I yeah. I mean it definitely was the first like sad album that I got into for sure. Um,
1: That's really interesting. I just feel like, um, I feel like I had been prepared. Like I didn't feel the jolting sort of feeling that you guys are experiencing or like expressing about okay computer, because I feel like I had already experienced that from like, just sad songs on the radio. Like Mm -hmm. not even Mm -hmm. like necessarily like profoundly great songs, just pop songs. They might have been like, you know, Celine Dion songs or Michael Bolton songs or something like that. Um, they were just like really well crafted to be these sad ballads. And I think I felt those pretty intensely as a kid. So it wasn't too much of a shock to hear it um, in a more, even in a, a more relatable way, like a more yeah. contemporary way.
0: Yeah, I'd been listening to the Beatles and the Beach Boys. I mean, you just didn't really get that from that music. Well, are you all ready to rate OK Computer by Radiohead?
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, first I want to talk about Much Afraid by Jars of Clay. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. They're back. They're back. This time with live drums and uh, some electric guitar and... uh,
1: this We're, is like they're uh, the places that you've come to fear the most.
2: <laughs> yes. Yeah. Good. This is
0: like they're most precarious.
2: <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, I. It, yeah, it, it's it's uh, it's a song by Joseph Clay. That's all I have to say about it. Just had to draw attention to it being there.
1: Also, shout out to number eighteen, three a.m. Matchbox Twenty. <laughs> Must be lonely.
2: Yeah. Sure. They're doing. Yeah, it. baby.
0: All right, we're going to rate
2: tub-thump-ing,
0: Yeah, tub-thumping. Now I'm ready. Yeah. Okay.
2: I'll go first. Go for it. All right. I'm going to give it a whiskey drink, a vodka drink, a lager drink, (laughs) and a cider drink. Four. Wow. Four out of five. That's a
1: lot of drinks.
2: The album, I would give a... 0.5 0.5 or 1, 2, but Jeez. this song, I, I give a 4, yeah.
1: Relative to pop music in 1997, I give this a 3.25 nights that I've pissed away.
0: Okay. Uh, just like last week, I think this is just barely good. I'll give it three crowning vaginas. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um. You know, we, did, we didn't ask if uh, Smash Mouth was a Nirvana wannabe. It's okay. We're, we basically know Nirvana wannabes these days. Yeah. Uh, is Chumbawamba a Nirvana wannabe? No. 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 Tell me all your thoughts on Pod. It's part of the Off Shelf family. Head to offshelf.net to sign up for their monthly zine. The best, most fun way for us to communicate with all of you is via our Facebook group. Tell me all your thoughts on Tell Me All Your Thoughts on Pod. You can listen along with our playlist on Spotify, Apple Music, or watch along... On YouTube, uh, you guys want to hear a joke? Yep, no, all right, <laughs> yes. What did the bagel with lots of ingredients, but not all ingredients, say to the crowd that included most people, but, but not all people?
1: <laughs> what
0: you can't be everything to everyone. <laughs> We'll talk about that song by everclear next next time
2: yes bye-bye, bye, bye. sugarcane the daddy of them all okay that's in right. in the next uh yeah yeah i was thinking ahead sugarcane the daddy of them all
1: um let's see